Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another edition of the Our Football Podcast, episode 95, 95. Welcome back, everybody. It's I know we've been taking some little breaks here and there. You know, we're trying to get this arranged with working, but we're here, we're back, and as always is my counterpart, Adriana Terrazas. Adriana, how are you today? I love it. We're, we're trying to arrange this with, you know, life and <laughs> responsibilities and everything. Um, yeah, great, Avi. I, I was you were just mentioning how cold it is over there, and it's actually so warm down here. It's like it's like really weirdly warm. It's like summer warm right now. Lucky. So it's really weird because I'm starting to see like Halloween decorations and everything. I'm, I'm not used to having like warm related to Halloween, which is really <laughs> odd. Uh, but yeah, we, we have that going on. Uh, I'm doing jack-o'-lanterns with my nieces on Sunday, apparently. So yeah, we're getting in the mood of like festivities. Oh, no, it's like weird, weird. Everybody, everybody makes this joke every year. So I hate like regurgitating it, but it is true. Like we're in that weird stage in here, specifically in LA or like California in general, where it's like, it's really hot one day and then it's super cold another day. And then I think like a week ago we had like ridiculous wind. So it's just like, this is the time where everybody gets really, really sick and everything but i think i started halloween a little too early because we went to a pumpkin patch like at the beginning of october so i feel like i'm not necessarily halloweened out but there's just like a huge gap between like halloween and like <laughs> enjoying halloween so like i we did that and i was like oh i need to get the kids their costumes and like we're to the 15th and i still haven't gotten them so we need to, get, we need to get on that um so but yeah it's it's cold uh, don't, don't feel bad about the pumpkin patch thing i mean we have like do you remember the bread I told you about in the past episode? Yes. yes. That it's exclusively for Day of the Dead. And I think we have it, like, I think it was sold since August. And if you go, like, to the supermarket, you'll see Christmas decorations. <laughs> so we, we've kind of lost any respect we have for, like, timelines regarding festivities and no, do, holidays no. and stuff like that. <laughs> People really sleep on Thanksgiving, but that's another conversation for another day. <laughs> Adriana, <laughs> so much to talk about today. We're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about the World Cup qualifiers that just ended for the men's side. Obviously, talk about the Liga MX Femini Week 12 because there was a little classicals in between. Talk about that fun discourse that always happens. We're gonna preview week 13 and then we're gonna round it off with the roster announcements for um the Mexican women's national team for their upcoming friendly against Argentina. But Adriana, let's go ahead. I know that I was part of some Twitter spaces before, after, and during the um last qualifier match against El Salvador Mexico comes out of this October window seven out of nine points I mean your overall thoughts with their performance from October I think the the biggest conversation I saw was everyone saying why are we not criticizing Martino for switching the team around so much when we did it every single game for Juan Carlos Osorio why is it that we didn't like accept those rotations (laughs) in the squad previously. And now it's sort of like, we're okay with it. We're not making such a big fuss about it. Um, it was, I think the, the biggest criticism, I mean, obviously, yeah, Mexico is first place in, in the qualifiers. And that, that's obviously a huge breather um, regarding like looking forward to next month when you have two away games, one against the U S and then one against Canada, who is playing, who has been playing amazingly well. Um, if you hear bells in the back, that's the garbage people. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I think the biggest worry is probably not having an entire squad available at all the time or just having like a, like a regular starting 11. I think we, we could pretty, pretty much like figure it out, but it's, it's, it's kind of worrisome that we didn't see, for instance, that starting 11 against, um, against El Salvador. I, I think it's kind of like we're missing, like just having like a regular starting 11 and then just seeing like, you know, like, 
little tweaks when it looks like second half and you start seeing players coming in. I, I was really amazed at how, like, you had eight players start against El Salvador that didn't play, that didn't start against Honduras. That's just, that's a huge shit. That's another team, right? So it's, it's kind of those things. I'm not entirely worried because I, I do think we had a fairly decent starting 11, but it's, it's just weird the fact that it has to happen. So I don't know if it's players complaining about too many games. Maybe they're just, I'm not hiding injuries, but maybe they're, they're just having like a little more physical trouble than they want to confess. Um, those, those are the things that are kind of worrisome, I, I think, to me. Um, because you did have most of your players available. I mean, I, I, I did, um, when we saw Nestor Araujo go out uh, <laughs> with that red card, and previously when we thought he was injured, you would look at the bench and you were like, oh, man, I, I think we need some more like center backs, right? Because um, it was like the only other choice was Johan Vasquez. And if it wasn't him, you would have to have one, either a right back or a left back come into the center. I mean, some of them are used to that kind of thing, but I, I particularly don't like it. Um, and then you have to like switch players around and they're not, they're not used to having like those changes sometimes. So, um, so yeah, I, th I think it's just, that's the only thing I, I'm kind of worried about, like just lack of consistency throughout the starting 11. And then I, I think many people aren't really not satisfied with the playing style, which I, I don't think it's terrible. I understand you want something a bit more entertaining, but I just think that will come uh, whenever you get that regularity with the starting 11. Yeah. I think that it's completely understandable that they keep switching up the players. I think the only, and it was, it was kind of, I think you're, I think you're hundred percent correct that it's kind of, it was kind of a risk, right? It's kind of a risk to do that because we've seen it with other CONCACAF teams that attempted to do that and it don't work out for them. So I wouldn't necessarily call it luck, but there was something there, I guess, from a point of maybe confidence that you go, oh, okay, this worked for us and we were able to secure the win. But I do agree with your point of the performance is still rocky. Like there's still something for me. And we've talked about it. I think a ton of people have talked about it to death. Like every single time they score that first goal, it's like, okay, we got to go. We're up. We had, we had the lead. There's nothing We're else. Good. <laughs> like, like, I don't understand. Like, I want to really know, like, do they, like, is there something within training that they do? Or is it feels like at this point, it's every single game. They score the first goal and it kind of just like slowly lowers down. Like granted, they got a good, they got a good uh, result against Honduras. Honduras obviously is not a good team during this, uh, during this world cup cycle, um, but they still managed to get the, the goals. And then, for this game, I don't think they should have waited till Raul's PK to get that 2-0. They needed a 2-0 to secure yeah. their, their win, but it shouldn't have it shouldn't have uh like depended on that PK call. Like there were plenty of other chances where they should have scored that they're not doing it. But I think overall for me, I just said as long as our forwards or our attacking options are scoring goals, they need to create that confidence. Raul got a goal out of this. He came back almost a year after, you know, that horrific accident that happened to him, almost a year since he played with the national team. Funes Mori finally scored again after that run and people, you know, definitely criticizing his potential. Chuki got a goal too, you know, so it's it, that is building up and I think that's positive. But it has to be more. It should be more. You get seven out of nine points. That's not terrible. You're still at the top of the table. Yeah. But it is where I, like you're saying, right, where the performance, is this going to be enough when you start heading to to play the U.S. away? Is it enough when you head to Canada and play them away? When you head to Jamaica, you know, in January and face them away? I think that's where the worries come in. Yeah. Um, where I'm like, you know, I don't feel super good about this team. Like, I feel confident. I mean, if they're at the top of the table, what am I really complaining about? But, yeah, it's 
it's a little tricky, but it did work out for them, which I go, okay, what can I really complain about? If they made these changes, they, you know, they secured the three points. Some teams didn't, some teams actually lost and got no points. So I don't know. You're yeah. I think it's fair to feel both things right now. There was this huge conversation, like not only this week, but the week before um, regarding if you would actually have the team play somewhere other than the Azteca for the home games, just because, you know, because of the I don't, I, and I get, because of other issues. What would, what would you think about that? I got to be honest. I don't get this conversation. Like I get it, but then I don't really get it. I think it's just because I've never really thought about it in that way. Like it, it was a talking point. I think Cesar brought it up last week. And then I had some friends messaging me about how they would rather have the team play somewhere else because I guess the Azteca is older and maybe they need to be somewhere different. I I don't know. For me, it's maybe it's a little romantic to me, but I mean, there's Mm -hmm. something playing at the Azteca. I I think, and then to defend that case at the Azteca, I think that there's a validity in saying like maybe they should play their games earlier because that's where the advantage came in, wasn't it? It was hot, the altitude, all that. Um, where I go, I don't think they need to change. Maybe they should play earlier, you know, stuff like that. I kind of see that argument working, but I don't, yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I honestly have no opinion on this because I just kind of go, I mean, they've always supposed to play at the Azteca. Also, I haven't been to a game at the Azteca, so I don't leave before I go. <laughs> you have to come, like, for, we have to look at the calendar and see which one's, like, the best, like, high rivalry game. So you, can you know what? I should have, I should have gone this last cycle. I really don't know why I didn't. I should have gone. I should have gone. It's too late. Oh, there's always next year. (laughs) There's always next year. Yes, there's always next year. Hopefully. Yeah, I think, I mean, I understand the advantage. I mean, I I don't think we have as big as an advantage as we did before because teams now know how to face the altitude. Um, It's not as if we're still playing Fridays at 5 p.m. when it's not only the altitude, but it's the heat and it's all the pollution, (laughs) which does play in our favor because we're just so used to it. Um, So I think, like, games are already, like, midweek 9 p.m so you don't have the heat pollution is not as big of a problem as it is in the afternoons it's still a bigger problem but not as big altitude is just still there but i think teams know how to face it a lot better um i remember teams coming in instead of going to mexico city they would go to cuernavaca which is just like an hour and a half away um it's at a a lower altitude so they would stay there and then they would only come to mexico city for the game and that way it's, it's so quick, you don't get the altitude. It doesn't hit you as much as it did if you were here for a couple of days or three days before when your body starts feeling like the actual pressure of the altitude, right? So I think we've kind of lost that uh, a bit, not entirely, but I mean, obviously the size of the stadium also has a lot to do with it and fans actually being there and, and yelling and, and supporting the team and everything. I do think though, um, especially when I saw this El Salvador game, I do think we're just not used to playing as an away team at all. That's the only thing I really, wor- I, I do think you need to start worrying about. I mean, it's always been something we worry about because whenever we play in the States, we're the home team. I mean, that's truth be told that it's, that's what happens, right? I don't know. They seem to be working really hard to not make the home team the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it happens. I mean, that's how they go play it, right? Um, Although I am so- excited to go. I, I, I'm, I, it's very likely that I'll be at that game um, in November. But I'm very, I'm very excited as a home, as a boyhood FC Cincinnati fan to go to my club's stadium for the Aww. first time. So very excited for that. <laughs> That'll be interesting to see how that goes. But it's, I mean, uh, but, but... It, it, internally, it's a mess right now as far as like <laughs> that home feel like they're, I think, I feel like they're doing everything possible to make sure Mexico doesn't feel doesn't at home, feel like... which, which yeah. goes, which goes to your point of like, will they be able to respond to that? 
Yeah, I think that's the only thing I really worry about. I mean, you go to Salvador and I was like, when's the last time Mexico truthfully, I mean, had like the entire stadium against them? And I, I can't really think of like, I mean, obviously another like, like another qualifier game, right? Costa Rica, Honduras, yeah, et cetera. But it's not something common. Yeah, but it's, it's not as aggressive. I mean, you, they need to be used to that entire stadium being against them. I mean, because- I, mean I don't know. Did you see that game against Canada? We flip pretty fast if things aren't, <laughs> if the performance isn't satisfying enough. <laughs> yeah, the, the same thing. That's, I think that's another reason why people were like, well, maybe we should start leaving Azteca because, again, um yeah p- people will like just turn against us we got, we, got, we got boot we got booted our farewell game in 2018 like it was like we were at the top of the table we had already qualified and people just started booing i think we had already qualified i'm pretty sure wasn't it yeah, like yeah. the last home game like in may or something like that and it was just like yeah probably <laughs> Yeah, but still, I, th- I think you do need that, that adversity. I think we really lack that. And because we always complain about how, like, the national team the, just has to work on its mentality, I think that's why we need some, a lot a more aggressive scenarios just to build up an, on that mentality because the talent is there. It's just a question sometimes, like, oh, no, we were winning, and then they, they scored, and then it's a draw, like the 89th minute or something because we were just, like, overconfident. And so that's, that's the kind of thing I, I – do think we have to work on, but I don't know. I, I really don't think they'll leave us there, at least not anytime soon. Um, yeah. Although I, I do, th- I do feel for the fans somewhere else. I mean, I, I, I do think sometimes like they should give like little love to Guadalajara, Monterrey, Pachuca, maybe stuff like that. That's also true. I do think you should, it's a, it's a national team. The entire country should have access to it at some point or another. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, for all the, for all the faults that we can clearly see with Mexico, they need to improve. Mexico sits at the top of the table with 14 points, three points ahead of the U S four points ahead of Canada, and then a whole six points away from fourth place Panama. So in a good place, I mean, I think everybody keeps saying the magic number is 21. So just seven points away from that, technically speaking, they come out of these next two games with victories. They're just about there, but that's going to be a a long road moving forward from there. But moving on um, from World Cup Qualifier Talk, we had another bunch of exciting matches this past week in week 12 of Liga Mex Femenil. Um, I'll give you guys, the, obviously, the results if you guys didn't see them, but Adriana and I are solely going to focus on the Clásico Regio and the Clásico Nacional. One, because we really want to talk about those, and two, because we don't have a lot of time. So anyway, <laughs> we had a 1-0 victory from Mazatlán over Querétaro. 1-0 victory for Atlas versus uh, Necaxa. Uh, 0-0 draw between Cruz Azul and León. Toluca gained a 1-0 victory over Santos. Then we had San Luis beat Juarez 4-0. Pumas versus Pachuca, one, uh, they drew 1-1. And then a 2-0 victory for Cholos versus Puebla. Um, I believe that was a brace from Rene Cuellar, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but at the end, let's get into it. Clásico Regio first. That one came to us um, via the streams here in the U.S. and obviously over on through the end in Mexico. It was a 2-1 victory for Tigres. Um, I thought it was going to be kind of like a Tigres, you know, like celebration party. They got that first goal really early. Then Rebecca Bardal, TMJ athlete, way to go. Um, responded, leveled it, and then obviously Tigres got one more goal and, and got the 2-1 victory. But your overall thoughts on the Clásico Regio and the performance? I, I really love how like they, they set the tone for what we're expecting for the rest of the league. I mean, they really lived up to it. I'm really happy to see Rayadas. I, I thought they were going to go like into a slump against Tigres and just be like, oh, man, this is we just can't do anything against them. We're just not winning. We're just, I mean, they didn't. But it was 
it, like the personality they showed on the field was really different. It, it was aggressive. It was well played. It was a team that, I mean, if they play it again, I couldn't guarantee think it is winning again because Monterrey was really, really on point uh, during the entire game. I think it, it's, it's, it's the kind of rivalry the entire league needs, not only because they inherited it from the, from the men's side as two institutions that really hate each other um, on the field. Well, I mean, a little bit off the field sometimes as well. But they really have their own story and they really live up to the expectations of making like an, like writing another chapter for their own Liga MX Femenil uh, rivalry. So I, I really enjoyed that. Um, obviously, it's probably, I mean, top three, if not the, the best uh, game we want to see throughout the season, just because of the level of players. I was I was really, really happy. I think I, I also enjoyed so much just seeing so many people enjoy the game. Um, on a Saturday when it didn't compete again against uh, the men's games and just give them that, like, um, just, it, it, it was like a Saturday, it's, I think it was 7 p.m. I mean, you usually don't see women's games at that time, like prime time games, uh, prime time schedule. So I was really yeah. happy just that everything lived up to the expectation. It was a great game, uh, dramatic because of what happened to, to Nayeli Rangel at, 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 during the game as well. But it was just well played. Like if someone like tuned into the game because they were like, "Oh, okay, let's see what this is about." I I really think they left just really satisfied with what they saw. Agreed, and I think Tigres also does an amazing job with their streaming services. It was a little glitchy, and I wasn't the only one. And I definitely put it out there, so I didn't feel like I was the only one complaining. It was a little glitchy at the beginning. There was a lot of like pauses, and then it would like jump forward. But overall, I mean, people tune in. They give that accessibility. They have you know, people are able to just watch the game from the comfort of the social media streams that they put on their Facebook. So I think that was really cool. I know the week before that or so there's some 30,000 people uh, tuned into that. And I think for this Clásico Regio, it was around the same, probably a little bit less, maybe around 28, 29,000. But it's like you said, you know, it was at a good time. People got to enjoy it. You know, everybody is really engaged with it. And I think that that is uh, I think that's amazing. I think the Clásico Regio, while people love to extend this conversation about what the Latin Nacional is in the Liga Mex Femenil, I think the Regio is the Regio, like Clásico, but own it. And there's so much about it that's amazing. I don't think we should continue to have this this conversation. I think it's I think it's a little drawn out at this point. You're the Clásico Regio, but you're a fantastic Clásico. People enjoy watching it. We all of us tune into it, and it's. It's definitely worth it. I think you brought up something really important, though, Adriana, that I think we should know um, is, you know, just like kind of the protocols and the officiating that happens. I think that it was a little just like in the next classical that we're going to be talking about. I think it was a little laxed. I think there were a few times here and there that you're like, why isn't a card being given? Why isn't this call being made? And then when, you know, Rangel did get injured, you know, it took a very long time for somebody to go forever. Yeah, to go check on her, to review her. And then I, if I remember correctly, she even went back onto the field, even after she, you know, she didn't look or feel good. So um, it also was disappointing to hear post-match that, you know, a, cer- a certain figure that uh, should definitely know what the protocols are. It openly admit he didn't know what the protocols were. And so that kind of worries it. I understand it's new. People are still learning, but I do think that, We've had a lot of discussions about officiating and just how things are done appropriately. We've seen fights in this league more often this year. 
um, than past seasons. And, you know, I think that there's just, it, it needs to be maintained a little bit. It needs to be taken care of. Um, but it looks like she was okay. Uh, right. I think after the match, yeah. she said that she was fine. Um, so that's good to hear, but we definitely need to be very proactive with injuries like that, because as we've seen time and time again, you know, it's not something that we should definitely linger or postpone or take that long to go ahead and go examine a player. But yeah, I mean, overall Tigres top of the league, I think our good friend Eugene actually made this table of like how many points each team needs to qualify for the league. Yeah. And Tigres had negative five, which means clearly they've already qualified. Yeah, uh, I think. Yeah, that was a, that was a given. <laughs> that was a given. But uh, yeah, good game. Um, definitely enjoyed it. Um, oh, also, before we switch over to the Clásico Nada. Nacional, I just want to say for all the people that gave Aileen Aviles a hard time for her quote, she wasn't saying I don't feel like she said anything wrong. There's nothing there that if I don't know, Messi had said it, if another prominent player, if another prominent athlete in another t- in another league had said it, would anybody take it that hard? I think what she said is something that op- in, in a way actually shows her professionalism with maybe she obviously is learning how to how to handle the media, but the way that she explained it, it didn't seem like there was anything wrong to me. Uh, I, I don't know what you thought about that. Yeah, they, they were just fishing for her to not mess up, but find something that could be used to not against her because it, they didn't misquote her. But I do understand it was taken like out of context. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's just. yeah. But even with the context, I don't think it was even bad. Like, she's just like, it's a it, like. She said, I, I feel like she's saying it like it's a game like any yeah. other game because they're preparing for it like any other game. It's not like yeah, she's exactly. saying like, I don't care about this classical. She's just saying like, hey, we go into every game and we feel like every game is important. This one isn't like she's not saying that this game isn't important. If anything, she's saying this game is as important as all the rest of the games, which means we have to exactly. Perform, yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? But that's, like, that's the part you use against her. It's like, oh, you're saying that it's not a special because it's a classical. It's not like yeah. extra important. So that that's the part where. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't agree with like those kinds of like practices, like other reporters. I understand you want to get a really good quote, but I really think that you, they, they stretched it. They stretched the truth on, on this one, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, still plenty of games left. I think Rayadas, like you said, I think they showed some good fight. I think it's interesting to look at them moving on to the Ligia and everything that's going on. I think they're about to close to, to qualifying as well. So um, we'll definitely see some of that, you know, some of that fight and some of that good system that they seem to now finally be finding themselves in um moving on into the postseason but Adriana Clásico Nacional um as far as uh telecast I thought it was very cool it was the very first time they had an English language broadcast our good friend Carlos Ucis was on it as well as the other Carlos forgot his last name apologies for that but they had it available on the Telemundo app um through their English version which was really cool and obviously it was on Universal and it was on Telemundo itself I believe here in the states um so really cool um, to be able to see it. Chivas comes out of it victorious 2-1. No goals until, I believe, the 76th, 78th minute. Um, yeah. So it was a little, it was, it was, a, it was exciting throughout the entire game, but we didn't say, we didn't see the three goals until the last, like, couple, 10 minutes of the match. Licha Cervantes comes out and is Licha Cervantes getting the two goals. We said it in the pregame Twitter space that we held. Somebody was going to be the hero for one of these teams. I I thought potentially it could be Dani for America. Um, but we also said that it could very well be Licha for Chivas. And sure enough, she showed up. But Adriana, your overall thoughts on the Clásico Nacional? I thought it was also like an, another game that lived up to expectations. I mean, obviously, I think it was 
so great to see Chivas beat America, seeing as though the, the men's side isn't doing as well, uh, nearly as well, as the women's side. Um, really entertaining match as well. L love, like, the rivalry. I love seeing so many players live up to, to what you expect from a game like this. Um, Licha was totally amazing. I mean, it was it, it was the end to a really great match. I mean, obviously, you were looking at 0-0, but if you actually saw the game, it was really open, great plays, lot, both players, like both teams understanding um, what they represent and not really um, just giving like any ball for granted or anything like that. So it was entertaining, uh, great match to see, lots of lots of uh, really great plays from both sides. And then at the end, it was Nati Mauleon for America and then Licha getting um, the tie, like I think it was like a couple minutes later. And then I think like 89th minutes, she came in as well and got that second goal for Chivas, which was totally amazing. So I, I really love the fact that like, if you look back at everything that Licha has gone through in the league, it's so amazing just to see she started off with Atlas, one of Chivas's like highest rivals, um, city rival, um, complaining about not getting better pay after being the team's top scorer, going off to not, well, not playing after that going after Rayadas, coming into Chivas and just assuming that responsibility as a striker and, and getting those goals and just leading the team. So that, that was really great. Obviously, I, um, we missed Caro Jaramillo and, and Rubi Soto because they, they were out because of disciplinary uh, measures. Yep. So that was also good to see, to be honest. Even I mean, I'm a, I'm a Chivas fan, but I was happy to see them take, I don't know what they did, <laughs> but I'm really happy that Chivas took that stand, despite the fact that it was a game against America where you want all your players to be available, there's, you, you, you do really do have to make players understand there's nothing more important than representing the team. So even if it is a game against America, you are going to get suspended or, or just sent out because you really have to respect the institution you're playing for. So I, I, I thought that was, that was a good message for other players as well. Yeah, especially for two important games. I mean, you had the Clásico Nacional, you get the victory, and now you're facing Tigres off in week 13. So I think... I think it's been it hasn't been so smooth for Chore as it has been for past seasons. So that's something that I know Ch the Chivas community is kind of like, is everything OK? But I do think that he does maintain as much control without it being, you know, bad with the team. And I think, yeah, it's a clear message of what um, Caro and Ruby have to you know suffer the consequences for. But Chivas also does a fantastic job under Chore of getting results, even when you think that they're not capable of doing it. It's kind of just one of his cornerstones as a as a as a DT. So I think that that's 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 really good. Obviously, Licha is a huge part of that, but I think it was a collective effort from Chivas as well. I mean, Montoya, uh, I believe it was Justin Montoya who did the cross the first one. No. For the second goal, I believe. For the second one, right? Yeah. I think it was the second one, and then one, and then Cassandra Montero got the for, the cross for the first one. Who also had a really good game, I feel like, and she's really yeah, found her great. own since she since she set, uh, switched over to Chivas from Mazatlan. Um, so it's it was a really good game. Um, I I I liked I liked America's performance in terms of the fight. I feel like they brought it to Chivas's defense a lot of at various points of the match. Um, I like the fact that Natalia Malion is the one that actually scored. TMJ athlete, obviously, got to give that shout out. But I like that she got that <laughs> goal in such an important game because she is a young player, and we've seen her have some really stellar performances on the youth level with the national teams. But I think just the way that she scored this goal too—I mean, it's a strong, solid shot. She gets it in the back of the net, and you know, she's she's kind of um, lax back and forth when it comes to playing time and all that stuff. But I think that goal was super important for her. So I think it's a—I don't think it was a terrible defeat for america i think it was 
open space. It was just Licha obviously capitalizing on it. But I think they go into these next matches, hopefully, you know, kind of understanding that it's important for them to kind of always stay on their toes. You know, they did have the lead and then they gave it up. So we'll definitely see what America does um, moving forward. Also, again, like I mentioned uh, beforehand, I in the Clásico Regio, I think that there were um, a few calls that were made <laughs> during this game too. I feel like there were a lot of shows or a lot of, you know, like there was like a lot of, I don't know what the rule is, but I feel like it should be a foul most of the time when you like, get, like essentially get crashed into or like <laughs> crash into, I don't know. I don't know how I feel because it happens during sometimes during the Mexico Salvador game too, but sometimes I feel like that should be a foul, but I don't know. Overall though, Two very good classicals during week 12. I enjoyed them. I think it was fun. And I think uh, the better team, quote unquote, got both victories. So I think it was it was pretty good. Uh, Adriana, moving over to week 13 really quickly. We have Queretaro versus Toluca kicking everything off today. Later on, then we have Chivas versus Tigres. How are you looking at that game? Just to give a quick little preview from you. Oh, man. Um, I think both teams have like, all of their players are available. Most of the most of the players are available. Not all of them. Um, oh man, I, I think it's actually going to be like a draw. <laughs> I can see I that. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, she, it, it's an away game for Tigres, so minus the, the support, which we know is, is spectacular for Tigres. Uh, Chivas coming in um, like emotionally, really, really on, on like yeah, just yeah. I think emotionally they're doing okay. I mean, there's there's Third place, ah, I thought they were second. Third place coming in, Tigres, obviously, I mean, they don't want to get like into the point where they're actually overconfident and be like, oh, we're, we're, we're qualified already. I'm pretty sure they want to keep that, that winning streak uh, alive as much as they can. But still, I, it, I think Chivas has shown that it could get the draw against Tigres. For sure. Uh, I, I say it's also a draw, but I think there's going to be goals involved in that. So I want to say, oh, yeah, like there, one, there's going to be goals. Yeah. Maybe like there's a 1 1, a 2 2. There's going to be goals involved. Yeah. So we'll definitely a two, see. 2 2. Yeah. Ooh, 2 2. Okay. Let's go with that one. And then we got Grisetsu versus Mazatlan, Necaxa versus Rayadas, Puebla versus San Luis, America versus Cholos, Leon versus Atlas, Santos versus Pumas. And then ending everything off is Juarez versus Pachuca. Go ahead and go on the website or talk to your fellow friend if you can't find it for any possible avenues to, to watch those games. Uh, then we have a little bit of time left. So, you know, we're going to we're going to rush through this, but it won't be like super, super rushed. Um, the roster for the women's national team uh, senior side friendlies for against Argentina on October 23rd was announced just to quickly go through the roster in goalkeeping. We have Emily Alvarado, Ital Gonzalez, Valeni Villeda. Then in the defense, we've got Rebecca Bernal, Cristina Ferral, Jimena Lopez, Valeria Miranda, Jocelyn Orrejel, Kenti Robles, Karina Rodriguez, Bianca Sierra. In the midfield, we've got Nancy Antonio, Alexia Delgado, Dani Espinosa, Stephanie Mayor, Montoya, Jacqueline Ovalle. Cynthia Perraza from Santos got a call up. Congratulations to her. We got Mari Carmen Reyes, Anika Rodriguez, Maria Sanchez. And then uh, the, for the forwards, we've got Myra Delgadillo. Asin Gonzalez, Kathy Martinez, and Kiala Palacios. Adriana, let's just really quickly talk about the elephant in the room. There's been a lot of discourse about the fact that Licha Cervantes is not on this roster. Some are calling it a snub. Chivas community obviously making it known. And like we've we've tweeted about, she is not on the roster because um, Chivas has their own friendly against Argentina um, during that time. So, I mean, overall, your thoughts on the roster and this whole Licha conversation? 
I think people have to chill with the just about this conversation. <laughs> they were really like, and, and these are, I think most people knew that there's also a Chivas against Argentina game coming up. So, I mean, I, I totally understand them not wanting her to play for the national team because she is going to play against Argentina, but with her club. And I mean, it's not as if she's missed opportunities with, with the team or anything. It's not, I mean, it, it, it's a friendly at the end of, of, of everything. But I mean, yeah, I just think people were like over criticizing, like just the fact that, oh my God, why isn't she on there? Um, I, I, I even saw, um, oh my God, what, what was the handle? Um, there was a Twitter account for, for, for women's soccer in Argentina that was just, uh, just checking out like who was being called up. And it said, I love the fact that after a call up comes up, two things happen. People complain about their players not being on the squad, and those same people or those people that support the same team will be criticizing the fact that they have too many players being called up to the team. So oh, I think I yeah. saw that. Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, for me, the thing that people were like the reasoning that some people were making was, oh, we don't have a system, and oh, if we're going to keep doing this, Monica is going to be limited. I didn't I have talked I, and I tweeted this out. You and I have talked about this time and time again. Monica's going to play with the system as much as she can with as many games as she has available. Now, the other news that broke out, um, I believe last week, was that the CONCACAF W qualifiers, which is going to be a qualifier, obviously the tournament that qualifies for the World Cup and for the Olympics in the long term, that got postponed from November to February. So there's yeah. going to be more friendlies that are going to be played throughout this year to make up for, you know, the competitive play that we're not going to see now until February. Monica's going to keep doing this. She's going to keep bringing players in that she hasn't seen before, that she hasn't had a chance to look at. And I think that's a good thing. Now, where the argument does lie is why Licha is not getting more playing time when she is one of the top goal scorers in the league. That I can yeah. see. And I think that should be that should be one of the questions. Now, is she not going because she's not getting playing time and she'd rather just be with her club team, which one could argue could kind of be understandable. But, you know, this whole discourse where one specific player that doesn't get a lot of playing time is being asked permission to not play when we've seen this kind of thing happen with other clubs and other players. I don't see a problem with like if that happens and it's just a friendly quote unquote, right. I don't want to d diminish the importance of these friendlies to see the players, but I'm like, yeah, like I think everybody just needs to chill because I don't think it's a big deal when Monica also is keeps calling different players. Like she's going to call different players. If they get some friendlies in November, she's going to change around the roster and, and start and not start certain players. She's going to adjust accordingly. Yeah. So I'm just like, you know, everybody just take a step back. It's fine. Nothing's going to happen. Breathe. <laughs> you know, she's just going to keep, she's going to keep playing with her system. I don't ever see it. We, you and I have talked about it. I don't see her having a solid system until that last friendly before qualifiers come around. Like, and even then I don't, I don't think maybe she, she'll even have her set, her set system then. Yeah, agreed. I think it's just a matter of, of understanding the circumstances and everything. I do think, however, I'm starting to worry not seeing Desiree on the call-ups. I do think this was a great opportunity for her to be on the national team and, and, and also show everything she's done for, for Monterrey. I mean, she celebrated her 100th goal, what was it, like a month ago? Um, I, that's, that's the one I kind of worry about. It's, it's kind of odd that we haven't seen her um, being called up recently. So that, that's the only one I'm, I'm not entirely sure what to make of it. Yeah, and maybe 
you know, like I said, maybe with this roster availability or not roster availability, but with this with this time availability that she will have to play with the roster, maybe we will see those. Cause I agree that I think that there are um, a few players that still linger that you're like, Hey, I feel like they should get a chance to get called up, you know, even if they don't get so much playing time, but I kind of still trust in Monica in that sense. And I feel like, you know, she will do the right thing as, as time goes on. Um, but at the end, as far as the roster and the upcoming friendly, you know, what do you make of it? How how do you how do you think the game will will, will play out? Also, this game will not be played at the Azteca, which is oh, no, it's not even going to be played in Guadalajara. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be played in Tepatitlan, um, which is about an hour away from from Guadalajara. That's an interesting choice, for lack of a better word. I, I don't I don't I don't understand why they went there. <laughs> Um, I would have liked them to play at Guadalajara. I think that would have been awesome to have like maybe one game at the Jalisco and then one game, obviously the Chivas game at the Akron or something like that. But um, no, they're going to play in Tepatitlan. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really just happy to see the Federation making things happen with the women's side. We've, I'm, I'm getting like, not every single week, but really constantly call-ups regarding the U17 team, the U15 team, the U20 team, the, the senior side. Um, and that's just really, really interesting, and, and it's just just so satisfying because you are seeing support like for these projects, not only for the senior side but also for the youth level teams. Um, there was also an academy which ended this week, and they had um, I, I, don't, I want to say the figure correctly, but it was hundreds of players um, out there just to play. Uh, I think it was U17, and then. 11 of them actually got, got called up for the U-17 national team um, after like looking at that. So yeah, it was 1,324 um, girls went out to play and they were just being like scouted on, on and you had Monica Vergara there. Um, you had um, Maribel Dominguez, Ana Galindo, um, Carla Maya, all of them were there looking at these players. And then, which is, I, I find it really amazing that they actually got like 11 of them will be called up for the U-17 team. Um, after just all these days of, of activity with, with at the Federation. So that was really great. So we're constantly seeing all the support, which I'm really, really excited about. It doesn't mean we're there yet, but it's it's definitely giant steps towards that direction. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so that game will kick off on October 23rd, I believe. Um, so def- what's the name of the city? This is one of the parts of being Mexican-American that I, makes me feel bad. How do you pronounce where they're playing? Tepatitlan. Tepatitlan. Okay, I did it. Right? Very good. That, that was excellent. <laughs> I, I did it. All right, cool. So definitely tune in. Um, obviously we'll probably be getting some press ga- some press conferences from Monica and some of the players leading up to that match. Um, so that obviously they have this week of action, the Liga Mex Femini players, and then we'll see um, you know, them going to go into camp with the rest of the national team. But Adiana, um, we obviously have to go because we have to do these quick now that we have our lives and our jobs. But any other final thoughts before we say goodbye? Um, no, just keep up with the content. We might be absent sometimes because of, you know, life responsibilities and everything, but please use the hashtag. That's definitely um, sometimes way more accessible. And we'll obviously have, like, we have great conversations on there. So Liga Max Fem ENG um, coming up next week. You can also use El Tri Fem, uh, no, sorry, Tri Fem ENG. Um, yeah, obviously lots of talk about the year coming up. So it's definitely going to get really exciting. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. So everybody keep on the lookout. Um, We're in episode 95. So we have five more episodes until our hundredth episode. So we've definitely, like I've mentioned before, we definitely have some cool stuff coming up that if it works out, we'll have a really good hundredth episode. Um, But like Adriana said, keep up with the content. Lots of exciting stuff happening in the Liga Mex Femenil sector in football, Femenil in general, and, um, you know, with Mexican soccer in general. So keep up with all of it because at the end of the day, it is our football. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Hopefully.